The goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hello all, welcome to another episode of Data Transformers podcast. This is part two of our conversation with Lori Silverman. Lori Silverman is the founder and CEO of Partners for Progress, and she's the adjunct professor at Golden Gate University. wrote technology vendors under the bus, but I, I, I feel like some of the technology visualization tools out there have really said, you'll get all these insights through my dashboard. I mean, they, they hone in on that concept and people have been, I hate to say this, brainwashed a bit, right? That's what they're paid to do. You're gonna yeah. get insights if you look at this pivot table or this graph. Well, and, and it's even worse than that. Find me a piece of software that actually allows me to put the questions on it along with the data on the dashboard. Mm -hmm. There's only one that I know of that's in a test phase that I saw last summer. Mm. I mean, you don't even know when you're looking at the dashboard what the question is that it's meant to answer. It meant to answer, yeah, right. right? So, and so now you've got the, the data visualizations and if you're the person, like if, if there are handoffs along this path and all of a sudden you just have the data visualizations, you weren't even involved up front and now you're looking at them, you don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> Right? And so now the story is going to become nothing more than a description of what's on there. And that's not what an insight is. I, the best example I have of this is um, was a woman by the name of Lorna Brown, who I interviewed a couple years ago for uh, uh, several keynotes I was giving in London at Enterprise Data Conference and a BI and Analytics Conference and in a PMO conference, which is how I met her. And she had been a finance, worked in finance and monthly reporting and led a team of people. And she said one day she got a new boss and her new boss said to her when he was looking at the slide deck that was gonna be given to the executives with the monthly KPIs, he said, Lorna, this is a bit busy. I'm wondering if you could add some more white space. <laughs> slide deck, okay, that's like number one. So she that's did, right. she went back and she added some white space. And then she brought it back to me and he said, Lorna, he said, you and your team are responsible 24 seven for understanding this data. Mm. What's the golden nugget? And she said, I don't understand. He said, what's the one thing that you want these business leaders to take action on based on everything that's in here? And she said, well, no one's ever asked us that question before. He said, well, I am, and I'd like you to go find it. And mm. then when you find that golden nugget, I'd like you to make it the cover page and make everything else an appendix. <laughs> because the only thing that we need to talk about is the golden nugget. The one thing, one inside. Yeah. Yeah, but one thing. And he said, and if you can't find it, that's a whole, that's a whole nother issue, right? Issue. Right, and there might be two or three, yeah. but, 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 you know, but what he didn't say to her was, what are the questions we're trying to answer? And I, and I want to add that piece back in here. But, but I think that they, 
the gist of what he was saying to her is, don't get, don't drown in what's there. Mm -hmm. Bring to the surface the important pieces that executives need to ponder, they need to dialogue about, and then they need to action. And if they're not going to action it, they need to have a darn good reason for why they're not actioning it. You know, in, in some sense, Laurie, it seems like a common sense, right? It's just, uh, yeah, but we have to go back to common sense to really, you know, make meaning out of it. But you picked my curiosity uh, by talking about the smarter. Can you talk what you, your, your methodology is, your teaching, like what does a smarter stand for? Um, that's a good question. You cannot talk about it. No, I will talk about it. So S stands for set context. Okay. And by the way, for each of these pieces, there are a series of questions and activities okay. that people have to go through. Okay. But even before I said it, someone has to shepherd or facilitate the process. That's why I'm concerned about that. And that's what I don't see with people right now. Because people say to me, well, who should shepherd it? I don't care, just anyone can shepherd it. You know, so we can go from S to R at the end, but set the context, then the M is manage data. And that really is more about, do we, what data do we need to be able to answer the questions and does it need to be organized in, in such a manner for it to be usable? Because you and I know that what technology has done and has made it very challenging is that it has stovepiped or siloed various pieces of data within the consumer journey or the customer journey or the way that workflows. And those pieces of data don't necessarily talk to each other. I'm not even talking about cleaning up the data. I'm just talking about does the data, like which, which are we gonna look at? You know, um, and do we even have what we need? And by the way, just because we don't have what we need doesn't mean that we aren't gonna make a decision. Mm -hmm. That's a risk question, right? So there's a lot of steps and activities in the managed data piece. Then. The A is assure confidence, but there's two pieces to this. Most people think about data cleansing or data quality activities. Now there's a, there's, I've worked with one of the world's leading experts in data quality on an initiative in a huge retailer mm -hmm. um, to, to bring this piece forward. The challenge you have here once again is time because what, and this is, yeah we keep thinking that we can do, I'm gonna give you a different analogy for just a minute. So allow me to step out. With elite athletes, there is a technique that coaches use to take them to the next level. So if you think about all the Olympic athletes or you know people who golf, I don't know your favorite sport, but for the top of mind right now for me is, um, I, mean, I could think about college football, but I'll use, I'll use Tiger Woods because uh, of golf is being back on TV. Okay. Um, when his coach works with him, he uses a technique called isolate, exaggerate, and integrate. Meaning, I saw something that was really tiny. I'm going to isolate it. I'm now going to give you some drills that exaggerate a new way of doing something. And then I'm going to integrate it back into your practice. Makes sense. Right? Makes sense. But the problem is, in the workplace, Tiger Woods, for all intents and purposes, is a closed system. Yeah. He and his coach, right, might have their clubs, things like that, but it's pretty much a closed system. Organizations are open systems. You can't just pull out something, isolate it for six months while the rest of the world's going on and say, don't make any decisions till I get this plain data to you. Okay. So, so we really have to think about the cleansing process as a rework process. And what do we do at the back end, right, to actually make processes that give us good data to begin with? That's just an aside. But the second piece of assure confidence is what an executive 
Um, and the Ukraine said to me one day, this SVP of uh, sales, I believe. Um, and he said, I get my guys, they'll call me up on the phone and they'll say they've got this great idea. Mm. Kind of like your Eureka, Peggy. I got an Eureka moment and here's what we need to do. And here's the data that supports this and blah, 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 blah. So I listen to them and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hang up the phone and then I make a different decision. And I said, why is that? He said, because in our culture, who's ever touched the data, the person who's touched it or done anything to it is as important as the data. Do I trust the person? Right. If I don't trust the people or the one person, I ain't gonna trust anything about this. And so assure confidence, you also have to be thinking about are the people who are touching all of this trusted by those leaders who need to actually look at the decision? Because at some point they might say to you, who had a hand in this? Yes. Okay, right? So that's a personal piece. So now we've got SMA. R is reveal insights. For us, there are three types of insights. There are knowledge insights, and then two types of actionable insights. Current state insights. What do we need to do today as a result of what we see, that insight? And then what do we need to do from an innovation or future perspective? Okay, but we've got three insights. That then leads to what we call for our T, take a stand, make a decision. That's what take a stand is all about. How do we go about the decisioning process mm -hmm. within the smaller piece now that I've got our insight? Because there's still a process within a process here. And then the E is to execute on that. And the R, the final R is to relay results, meaning results of the implementation of the decision. So what did it get us? So that's because that's what we're really interested in as business leaders. And the challenge with that is, as you well know, is there are so many variables that are interdependent in organizations. How am I ever going to tease apart one decision from another? But you know, if we set some metrics up front, we can typically figure that out. So to me, my bias is everybody has to learn these steps. They're not, they're not, you can teach them to anybody and you do not need to know any statistics or analytical thinking in order to go through the process. Actually, now I understand why you're saying it's about decision making, because the smarter is about making decisions and measuring the results and then acting on them and then data is is an integral part of it but it's it's not the main part of it it's not the main part of it we have to start being concerned about the process how long is it taking us yes. to make these decisions that's agility and then the second part of it is what's the result and did we even implement it and that's why now think about that ceo when i showed him this methodology who's like well where are we in our, where are we if i took if i had three key decisions to make this month like at what step are we at and do my people even know and do we have a common language to talk about decisioning rather than to talk about the data because if you only focus on that front end piece why are we so focused on that that input side of it mm -hmm. right we're not focusing our attention where the business needs to go that's my observation that's where i started um several years ago was creating that methodology and, and, I, and i'll be honest with you um every time i teach it i get another new um, insight myself from uh -huh. yeah another new aha uh -huh from other people and their use of it are the questions they ask me you know and, and and can we explain it in such a way that it makes sense to them but but that whole framework though there's two things to it that make it unique one is that intuition is a form of data and is considered as a form of data at every single step and we do not because you cannot 
there's no such thing as an objective decision. I tell people, if you know Antonio Damasio's work on the human brain, the um, brain needs emotion to make decisions. So if you were injured in the emotional part of your brain, and I gave you a decision as simple as, where should we go out to eat tonight? Or where should we get our carry out food? You would never get to a decision. You would be saying, well, what are the options? What are the pros and cons of each of the options? Who's gonna come with us? You'd be asking all these different questions, but you'd never get to the decision. And what he realized was that emotions are integral to being the spark to actually deciding. So that's one piece that we do. A second piece is that in the front end of the process, set the context at the reveal insights piece. And also then at the end of it, it's all about strategic thinking, not analytical thinking. Yeah, that is very true. Right. And so you can see that once you start to say it, then you have to say to yourself, oh my gosh, but our people, we never thought about that strategic thinking is integral to analytical thinking. And you find me, you find me um, a certificate program or degree program that teaches strategic thinking in the business analytics area. You find me one and I, I, I will, you're nodding no. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that. No, nobody no, will see I, that. I'm, I'm telling you hundred percent. See, either a strategic thinking at the, you know, the, at the corporate level, the management level, it does not incorporate the analytics from what I have seen, but within the analytics space, there is no strategic thinking that I have seen. Right. So, so now you can see some of the gaps um, about that. And, and, and our work is really based on, I mean, MIT, the folks at MIT, uh, Paul Schumacher and others wrote a really wonderful article a few years ago that supports all the work that we're doing from their research. And he just said, we cannot create intelligent organizations until we understand that human reasoning is key. And human reasoning is the combination of the structured and unstructured data with intuition. I mean, it's, it's the blending of the two together. And then we reason our way through it. And, and people keep trying to take out this human reasoning piece. Oh, but machine learning, you know, it can make the decisions for us. And I'm like, yeah, but what happened when COVID hit? Yeah. I mean, like, did you see the article? I think, where was it in the Washington Post? about, I worked in the airline industry. I've worked in 25 different industries. I'm like, who, how do you price a seat? <laughs> you know? I mean, like all the historical data, you might as well just went poof, we'll throw it out the door, right? Yeah. You know? But nobody wants to throw it out the door. They're like, no, 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 no. We still got to hold on to it. And I'm like, you kind of can't. Yeah. You kind of can't. I mean, it doesn't have any relevance today. Yeah. So even more so human reasoning is becoming critical. You know, but we have a lot of broken algorithms. That's my that's my take. So, does that give you a little bit of background in terms of that? It, it really does. I mean, thank you for covering that in detail. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but, but, I said earlier, it's almost like people with left brain versus right brain, and not many people actually can use both sides of of the brain to integrate. And that's really um, some of the some of the differences here. And also to, you know, just to circle back to, you know, one of the first comments I made was around, um, you know, data, it's so common, right? And I think this is a problem. Everyone is, is so focused on the data and talking about, you know, data-driven, you know, data is a new oil. And again, what you talked about, Lori, is, you know, people are too focused on, on the data. And maybe it's because data is something very tangible and it's, they feel they can manipulate it and that's what they will use as yeah. the um, to uh, to fix things, you know. That's why 
chief data officer, right? And I know the teaser from the beginning was replacing the word data with decision, right? The chief data officer, you know, decision governance, decision analytics, decision science. And I think uh, a lot of what you talked about is uh, replacing the word data with the whole end-to-end -end smarter process and decision-making process. Well, yes, and, and I think it's even more. So do you remember, there's a point probably in your career where someone showed you a photo, it's an illusion photo. And it's a photo, most people when they see it, see an old woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. And then someone says to you, but there's a young woman in it. Yeah. And you're like, where? And then, but once you see it, you can never stop seeing the young woman, right? She's always there and it shifts in perspective. That's what I'm talking about here. But that's a profound mindset shift because what you have to start asking yourself is, what are the millions of things in our organization that would have to change to support a decision first cultural perspective? So, you know, on all of those research reports that have been done, people are coming to the conclusion that culture is the issue, but they say it's, oh, we have to put in place a data culture. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do more of the same. That's the part of the problem. But I'm the only person out there who says there's a paradigm shift that has to be made first. And when you make that paradigm shift, then you can start to say what you said, Peggy. You know, how do you go from saying, you know, if I said chief decision officer, not chief data officer, what would their work be? Wow. Now you can start thinking about even as simply as saying, well, wouldn't it be covering every part of the smarter framework? I mean, now that's a lot. That's a lot because right now they're not focused on the totality and, they're, and they're, their measures for their job performance isn't based on the results of the decisions that are being made. I mean, could you imagine what that would be like, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, or to, right, or to say to people, um, what would decision, like you said, what would decision governance look like? Who's in exactly. charge of that? Or if I'm working with business leaders, why am I not in every meeting? This is a real simple thing. Why am I not just saying at the front end of the meeting, what decisions do we need to walk out of here having made today? Just as simple as that. That's a huge change for people because we've been so indoctrinated and enculturated to do the opposite. And Ramesh, to your point, it's, and Peggy, you alluded to this too, technology vendors, cannot make this, they're not making this shift yet because what we're talking about is less tangible to them. So I've talked with more than 30 vendors and they all say to me, well, yeah, you're about five years ahead of yourself. And I'm like, we don't have five years. We don't have five years. <laughs> we don't have five years. You know how many businesses are gonna go out of business in five years, especially if we move into a worldwide recession, which by the way, it's coming. Oh, yeah. we've been propping up all these economies around the world. Uh, we, we don't have it. And so now we start talking about a go back to loss again, right? As being a motivator for doing this. Yeah. So to me, the, the I'm still at, while I've done this work and I've done this work successfully inside of organizations and have transformed entire businesses, mm -hmm. where I'm at working at the societal level today and with organizations, but more at the societal level to say, who wants to be a pioneer in this work? Like who wants to come into an organization and even individually start to make these changes within their own behaviors so that other people start to hear that there's something different and then they can start to educate others, you know, more like how do we, how do we create communities of practice inside of enterprises that start to see the possibility of something new? 
is because this is not a change. You know, everybody says, well, will business leaders, I need to go in and sell business leaders on this. I'm like, take that out of the equation. Take it out. Take it out. Don't think about selling anybody. Just think about the doing of it. Yeah. Now you're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to hit roadblocks. You're a single individual and you're doing this because I train a lot of people, you know, who are going back as one-off sorts of individuals to do this work. You're going to make, you're going to get lots of gains and then you're going to hit some roadblocks and the roadblocks are going to be the cultural artifact. Now you need to start thinking about how you're going to make that shift happen. And that's only going to happen by trying to enlist other people in a mindset shift. Um, wow, not saying that there aren't steps to do this, because I have steps to do this, but that's, you know, typically where you have to start. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. Actually, this has been a phenomenal, uh, you know, discussion in terms of the entire spectrum. It, it's not, uh, to some extent, you know, through the podcast that we've been doing, it, it uh, puts a different context to the, the Data Transformers podcast as to elevates it to a different level where we should start thinking. Thank you. You're very welcome. And, and I just want to say to people, I think, you know, as we go forward, there are some very specific steps that we need to do on the enterprise level. I think what the data folks have done and the data literacy folks have done is that they've talked about this solely as an individual core competence. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, we need to start talking about this as an enterprise competence. That's why I call it data literacy 2.0, because how do you shift the enterprise, not just the individuals, right? To start, to start supporting this way of thinking, being, doing. And with business leaders, even the business leader I talked to yesterday who said, I worked in an organization like this. I said, well, why can't you tell us more about it? He said, it's a competitive advantage. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what we're, we can do? We can accelerate things like, oh my gosh, faster than everybody else because of what we were able to do. I can't, I can't talk about these things yet. And, I, and so that's what I, you know, I think from a, from a pull perspective for people here today is, you know, is that something that you, your organization needs and can you afford to live with failures? And with that said, I mean, hopefully companies will start to really embrace this mindset and to be uh, really competitive in the marketplace. So thank you again, Lori, for your time today. Really appreciate it. And um, for those of you who want to learn more about Lori, follow her on LinkedIn and also on, on Twitter. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me as your guest today. Thank you, Lori. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.